Our generation has been dubbed the startup generation. About one-third of young Canadians wants to start their own business, according to a recent McGill report. Entrepreneurs are an important part of our economy, not just here in Canada, but around the world. Entrepreneurial ventures literally generate new wealth. Existing businesses may remain confined to the scope of existing markets and may hit the glass ceiling in terms of income. New and improved offerings, products and technologies from entrepreneurs enable new markets to be developed and new wealth created. But for all the positive entrepreneurs bring to our economy, a lot of work goes into actually starting a business. When you first launch that business, it can be daunting, scary and exhilarating. And while you grapple with so many emotions, it can be hard to learn when to say no to any work that comes your way. But it is important to remember that some clients can be toxic for your success. And that is our topic today. We list red flags you should look out for when meeting with prospective clients. And now, on with our show. You're listening to Young PR Pros, episode 121, Red Flags for Entrepreneurs. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Young PR Pros, a podcast for the young and young at heart PR pros looking for tips and advice on how to build and advance their careers. I am Christine Darbell in Ottawa, Canada. And I'm Julia Kent in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I'm Ross Simmons, also in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And I'm Claire Bonnyman in Toronto, Ontario. So uh, spinsucks.com, which is a blog uh, dedicated to enhancing the reputation of PR and run by Ginny Dietrich, who has given us some shout outs on this show and has even been a guest uh, host. Her blog recently posted an article about things you never want to hear from a prospective client basically red flags you should look out for before saying yes to a job. So from her perspective, Ginny Dietrich runs her own agency in Chicago, but she started off just saying yes to a few clients and then all of a sudden realized she had so much business that she needed to hire staff and she actually had like a full-fledged agency now. So I know uh, based on the introduction to this episode, our generation has been dubbed that's the startup generation. A lot of people in our generation, regardless of the industry, but I think also, especially in PR and communications and marketing, a lot of entrepreneurs are popping up. And just given our industry, I think it's um, really hard for our generation to say no to some of the work because obviously you don't want to say no because you want to start. But there are certain red flags, especially in our industry, that can be really, really toxic for uh, for success. So that's what we're going to talk about uh, today. And, you know, what better person to start with than our resident entrepreneur? Um, so, Ross, can you <laughs> share with us, you know, one or two red flags in your experience of things that you should look out for when uh, you're meeting with a prospective client? Something that might indicate that this relationship's not going to be a healthy one. Definitely. So when I first graduated from university, um, I had a short gig with the CBC, but then when I uh, was done with that gig, I started up my first kind of consulting business, me and a uh, university, a fellow university grad. Um, and we started our own freelance business. We were servicing small and medium businesses. And in that time, I learned a lot about red flags with clients. Um, I worked with a lot of clients who never worked with a consultant before. And as somebody who was never a consultant before, I didn't really know what the role entailed. Um, and there was a few key things that I learned at that time. One of the most important pieces was recognizing that you need to ensure that your clients respect your time. Um, your time is really what you're selling. The effort that you take 
when you're helping them, whether that's building out a website, creating content for them, helping them draft a press release, whatever that may be, you want to ensure that they respect your time. They're not texting you at all hours of the night. They're calling you 24-7, expecting you to drop everything that you have on your plate, whether it's family or friends, and just go running to do whatever it is that they want you to do. That's not a good relationship, and it never ends up well. So um, if you are in a situation, make sure that you spend some time to set expectations up front with a potential client to ensure that they're not taking advantage of your time because time is really all we have. Um, And then another thing that I would say is when you're a freelancer, especially when you're a young PR pro, you're young in your career, a lot of people think that freelancer means free work. Hmm. Um, And you don't want to fall into that trap of people thinking, oh no, you can just do this for me. You can tackle this project for me. And then just say yes, because you're trying to build up your reputation or because you're trying to get some work under your belt. Um, Always charge something for your time and for your energy, unless you're volunteering with a program or an organization that you believe in. If it's early stage, something of that nature, then by all means, it's okay to volunteer your time. But if somebody is a multi-million dollar company and they're looking to just get you to do some work for free, it's probably not a right fit. Um, So ensure that you're putting your time and energy when you're doing consulting. uh, Recognize that you probably have to put some food on the table and you can't spend all of your time doing free work. Uh, Recognize kind of a a set amount of time each month that you can do free work, uh, volunteering, whether that's on a board or whether that's with the association or with um, a group of friends trying to create something new. All of that is fine and dandy, but if you're going after a client uh, that you want to work with from a professional standpoint, you definitely want to ensure that you're charging. And and on that point, Ross, the Spin Sucks, uh, the, the blog, and we'll definitely post this on our website, they talk about that as well, about you know not doing money for free. And two red flags that they um, mentioned, so th- like things that you should listen for when you're in an inter- uh, in an, or speaking with a prospective client. Um, one is, we loved your proposal and we want to move forward, but we want to pay 50% less than your quote. Right. <laughs> so basically saying, yeah, this looks great, but um, can you do it for 50% less? You know, that's a big red flag. And the other one, which I thought was really good, was we thought you would be much cheaper. Right. Right. So it's like right off the bat, they're saying, you know, we don't really like we're, we're because you're a freelancer and an entrepreneur. We, ex- don't, we don't think you're worth it. Or they just they think, well, yeah, you're just a you're not an agency with overhead. So you automatically should be so much cheaper than what I thought. But it's like, OK, yes, you like you might not have the overhead of an agency, but like there's still that bottom line of your time and you still have to pay that. Right. So those are really good flags, things to kind of like look out for when uh, when you're in a meeting, if these sort of things start coming up. Yeah, that's definitely a red flag. If that one came up with me, I would say if somebody ever says to you, I thought you were cheaper, say your response should be, I thought you could afford more um, or something <laughs> like that. And then frame it so they recognize that. No, Or you say something like, I thought that you would be able to afford me or something like that. Um, ensure that you don't let somebody belittle you uh, because of their expectations around price. Uh, price yourself as the market would expect. But at the same time, I would definitely never take that type of, uh, that res- that type of conversation the right way. Yeah. Um, So, Julia, I know that uh, you're not in a freelance job right now, but you did do a little bit of freelancing at the beginning of your career. I did. And I actually had all very, very positive experiences. So um, I was kind of putting my hat on, uh, you know, as someone who has hired a lot of freelancers, right, who has hired Mm -hmm. a lot of of, um, contractors and things like that. You know, I have have two small things to keep in mind. I think the first one is very obvious. Don't 
take on a client that ever indicates that uh, the work is going to involve anything unethical or anything, um, any sort of cover-up work of something unethical. I just don't want to be associated with that, right? And it's not, it's actually really not fair of a lot of clients to, to ask that of you. Um, and like I said, that probably goes without saying. But the second thing I was going to say is I have had a lot of small uh, startups kind of pitch to me that the, you know, the, the person who start, did the startup, the most experienced person is going to be doing all of the work when actually they're just the face of the company and they're not doing any of the work, they're doing the business development and the management, Mm -hmm. and they have very junior, um, low-paid staff members that are actually doing the work. And Christine, I'm sure you've come across this too. Um, Yeah. Yeah. When they commit to having a certain person perform the work, I think it's important to hold them to that um, and to just double check when you're in the um, interview phase, um, you know, that uh, that's who's going to be doing the work, you know. And then I guess on the flip side from like the entrepreneur side, if you walk into a meeting and they they say, okay, well, you're going to be 100 percent on our on our file mm-hmm. you want to be honest and say okay totally. yeah, I, I i will i'll try to do as much as possible or you'll you'll set their expectations i mean um i think there's varying levels of, of entrepreneurship right i mean you could be the sole person in your little shop so obviously you're going to do all the work but as you grow a little bit and i'm sure jenny dietrich uh, went through this when she went from like just being the sole person in her business to then hiring a few people and then actually becoming a full-fledged agency in that interim where, you know, she actually had to work on actually growing the business and not working, there's, it's important to kind of set that expectation with your clients and then also not for your clients to come back and say, no, 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 I want you on it all the time because that's, that's also un- unrealistic, right? And sometimes you do have to farm things out. And if it's not your expertise, then you do have to either work with someone else or, you know, try to connect with someone who has the, the experience, you know, it's like if, if I were to go, if I were an entrepreneur and and walk into a meeting with a client and they want, you know, communications package. And I could say, well, you know what? I can put together all the content, but I'm not a graphic designer. So I'm going to be farming that out, you know? And if they come back yeah. and they're like, oh, well, we wanted you to do all the work. It's like, well, that's unrealistic. You know, I mean, some yeah. people can do it all. And like, you know, if you are a great graphic designer and you're a great writer and you're also a great video editor, then then you be honest with your client and you do all the work. But then making sure that like the client doesn't have that expectation that if that you're going to be spending every single waking moment, which kind of goes back to like, Ross, what you were talking about, that like that relationship is you shouldn't be dropping everything to run after and do something for your client, unless it is, of course, like a crisis, because I'm sure there are there are agencies out there and entrepreneurs out there that like, you know, things always happen at the most odd hours. And sometimes that has to happen. But if it's like, if it's not a crisis, and it's just you have to be at their beck and call, that's you just need to make sure that the expectations are are, are set and make sure that your time is valued. So Claire, do you have any uh, red flags or any experience? Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm obviously not Mr. Entrepreneur like Ross is, um, (laughs) but I am freelancing right now, right? And as someone who graduated from a program and is going into a very kind of creative aspect of the industry, 
it's a lot of it is freelancing and finding different opportunities and collaborating on projects. So jumping back to Ross's talk about respect, a major thing for me coming from the perspective of someone who works with people from different industries and collaborates on a bunch of different pieces is when someone isn't actually interested in talking with you, but talking at you. Because that level of respect, I think, should go beyond mm. just your time. You know, like a client or a project partner, they should be picking you for a reason, whether it's that you gave them a killer pitch or um, they heard about you through word of mouth. And there should be some sense that they're interested to talk to you and to work with you. But if they are completely overloading you with their own story, aren't paying attention to anything you say, are belittling you in any way, that does not bode well for down the line for me. Because there's that awkward balance of yes, the client is always right, but not always. And as someone who's supposed to be the expert, supposed to be bringing something to them, there should be a level of respect and communication and dialogue so that they recognize that you have something to add that they want and they should respect you for that. You know, like they don't have to come in and bow at your feet. Gosh, no, but they shouldn't be taking advantage of you just because you're a young person working who's going out there on a limb. They should be respecting the skills that you have yep. and respecting the individual that you are. For sure. Definitely. Yeah. I think the respect is a uh, is a really important factor. And if there's any sort of inkling in your, in your interview with a prospective client that they just, either they don't, and it's not maybe that they don't respect you, but I think there's a lot of people out there that just don't understand, you know, PR and communications. Yeah. Um, and it kind of goes back to another red flag that the Spin Sucks blog um, posted about. They said, my sister, friend, neighbor, wife, husband, cousin, mailman, dog keeps telling me I need PR. Those you want to probably avoid because it means that they're not invested <laughs> in the idea or the importance of having PR and communications and marketing as a business asset, right? It's just something that someone told them, oh, yeah, you should totally you should do that. You should probably do that instead of saying, I'm going to do this and I'm going to have a public relations or a communications or a marketing strategy that ties back to my business goals that's actually going to help increase my business. Like that should be the people that you want to work with, not someone who's like, yeah, someone told me I should probably do it. So I'm going to just look and like just see it, you know. Um, <laughs> and then another thing. Yeah. On that same point is the person that you're meeting with, you want to make sure it's going to be your actual point person, because the uh, the girl who wrote this blog post um, shares a story and, and uh, I'll, I'll share it right now. She says, I once worked with a husband and a wife who owned a small restaurant. The wife was the proprietor, the face of the business. The husband, who had a full time corporate job, ran operations behind the scene. During the interview process, I worked mainly with the husband who understood the PR basics. Once I was hired, the wife became my priority point of contact. It quickly became clear they were on very different pages when it came to their business. And basically, PR was not the priority of, uh, of the wife. So you could see, like, you want to make sure that the people you're meeting with are actually the people that you're going to be working with, because it's one thing to say that, yes, yes, you know, we need we need PR and communications and marketing. And then all of a sudden you're put with someone who's like, why am I doing this? I don't care. And then, like, you know, there's no respect there because they don't even believe that they should have it. Right. So, um, I think there's a lot of, um, a lot, I think we've talked a lot about like the respect around it, but there's like a, just a few sort of red flags in meetings that you need to keep an eye out for, make sure that they, they want to tie it back to business goals and they, they really truly believe that PR and communications is going to help them. Any other comments? Yeah. I think to 
build on that piece, um, another red flag happens whenever you hear them say, oh, this will be an easy job for you. This is something that will not take you a lot of time. Um, <laughs> and they say that they assume that you can do something very quickly. Um, that's often a red flag to kind of gauge, okay, how much time do they actually think this is going to take? And what do they actually think goes on behind the scenes when it comes to getting them press or yeah. creating a website, that kind of thing? That's a good one. That's a really good one. Yeah. Cause, uh, you, that's that's another example of not wanting to set yourself up for failure. If they're like, oh, yeah, this this will take you a week. And then you say yes to the job. And then you're like, well, right. no, this is not going to take a week. And then you go back to them and say, and it's not that you're slacking or anything because it's just a reality. Some things take time, right? Especially if they want to be done right. And either you do it right and you take a little bit more time or you know, in that scenario, you're setting up, setting yourself up for failure because then you're going to have to cut corners to actually fulfill the deadline that the, or the, you know, the unrealistic deadline that the client put, put forward. So. Yeah. It's a big, big red flag when someone who doesn't understand the industry makes an effort to manage it and gives you a timeline and you're like, no, 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 no. That's, that's not how this works. So true. <laughs> Agreed. Hey, podcast listeners, this month we are giving away a free copy of Hustle Manifesto, 100 tips for your first 100K to one lucky person. All you need to do is head over to iTunes and leave us a review. We will choose one lucky person and send them this free gift as a thank you. So thank you. And now back to the show. So welcome to a new segment I like to call The Breakfast Club. In this segment, we share the top five articles you should read over breakfast tomorrow. So um, I'm actually going to start. Uh, we're recording right now fairly close to Mother's Day. So the article uh, that I found is called PR Lessons Your Mother Would Love. And basically, um, and I thought it was also really funny because as a new mother, um, I'm already finding myself saying some of these things to my two-year-old. So, uh, but just to give you an example, so the article just lists a bunch of like things that your mother used to tell you when you were a kid and ties it back to the PR translation and the PR uh, lesson that you should learn from, um, uh, from your childhood. So if everyone was jumping off a bridge, would you do it too? How many like on like has your mother ever oh, said yeah. that to you before like i'm not the only one <laughs> yeah that's like all the time right like you're you come back and you're just like yeah but johnny's <laughs> doing it and then she always turns around well if everyone was jumping off a bridge would you do it too anyway oh, yes. basically if mom you're listening you were right the pr translation is don't be so quick to jump on the latest trend because uh just because everyone else is stay focused and choose a communication style that feels natural for your brand's unique personality and we've talked about this in the past just because, you know, there's a lot of people on Facebook or a lot of people on Twitter or a lot of people on Snapchat or a lot of people on Instagram doesn't mean you have to be on every single social media platform. Doesn't mean you have to, you know, you have to look at your audience and figure out the best way to connect with them. So I, I really, I really love that one. And the rest of the article is, is equally as fun to read. So that's, um, that's my one article for the breakfast club. Um, I have an article and it's actually, <laughs> I was, so in Nova Scotia, one of the um, liberal uh, MPPs was fired because of a Twitter post that he made four years ago. Ross, did you see? Did you read about this? I did see that. Yes, and so I was like, "Gosh, I hope I've never said anything unsavory on my Twitter." So I was going back and reading my Twitter archive. But anyways, I was I was squeaky clean, as we would expect. <laughs> um, but. Um, 
uh, I did find an article that I shared in February. And when uh, Christine brought up The Breakfast Club, I thought, ooh, that's a good one because it's, um, it's very relevant and very timely still. It's an article by Fast Company, and it's called The Four Secrets of People Who Finish Their Work Weeks on Thursday. And um, I'm currently working in a four-day-ish um, work week scenario, and it is definitely challenging, um, but the rewards are worth it. Um, and it's it's a very succinct article. Um, it says, you know, the, the four secrets are that um, people that work a four-day work week schedule intentionally, they focus on priorities. Um, they tune out distractions and they find shortcuts. And those that's a very high-level summary of the article. But it just, only having four days rather than five forces you to be more intentional with your time and uh, to be more organized. And I'm finding, um, I'm reading an article every week about another country who has instituted um, the four-day work week. I think Korea is is one of them that's looking at it, but France has already implemented it. And I'm a huge fan. I think that people are more productive in a four-day work week than in a five. And that's a whole other discussion, but it's a really interesting article. And it's in this, there are a series of five-minute reads. So it's a, uh, it's a really quick one, but it's really interesting. And if you do a Google Google News for four-day work week, there's a lot of articles out there because it's really a hot topic, um, particularly at the national level. That's really neat. Yeah. Very cool. That could be a podcast episode. It could be a podcast. That could be. (laughs) All right. uh, Ross, do you want to share your article? Yes, sure. So I have an article. um, And my article is called How to Become Insanely Well-Connected. It's been uploaded to the First Round blog, which is a VC firm. um, And it's all about networking. It's written by a gentleman by the name of Chris Frolic. Um, He is a VC these days at First Round. um, But he also was a part of launching the TED Talks that we all know and love. Um, He also worked at eBay, um, Delicious, uh, back when it was a thing. and he has quite an impressive resume. But what's more important than that um, is this article's insight around how to become well-connected, how to create genuine connections with people, um, and a variety of different things. So it goes in-depth. Like It might take you uh, 15, 20 minutes to actually read through the entire article. But it's one of those ones that I know for me personally, I am I bookmarked and I plan to come back to it time and time again. Um, this blog post is filled with lots of insight. It includes everything from templates on emails that you should send people. Um, It talks about this idea of creating a dream contact list. So uh, you would create a list of the people who you want to someday have a relationship with. Um, And as you think about those relationships, it's not about uh, building a relationship with that person because you want something from them. It's because you're genuinely interested in their story, their lifestyle, uh, what they're all about, what they represent. Um, and the entire blog post is just a, a great read. So um, it's called How to Become Insanely Well-Connected, and I will definitely pass it along so it can be included in the show notes. Awesome. And Claire, what's your article? Yeah. So in... Um True audio producer style. I'm going to go a little bit different here. Um, I started a new job this week, so my mornings have been a little bit rushed. Uh, So instead of being able to read anything as I normally do, 
I'm actually going to recommend a little podcast that I've been listening to in the mornings. It is no replacement for young PR pros, obviously. um, NPR started a new podcast called Up First, which runs about 10 minutes. They release it every morning around 5 a.m. So even if you're an early riser, it should be there for you. And I think it really speaks to a lot of the things that we talk about a lot on the show about, you know, checking the headlines and on our Christmas to-do list, it's always read the newspaper and stay in tune with the news. And and you have to know what's going on. And I think they do a really, really great job of um, just kind of distilling down a lot of the big topics from the day and things that are going to be talked about a lot so that you can feel comfortable knowing that going into the day, you know a lot of the things that started happening and and you know a lot of the things that you're going to come to face. So um, sometimes they do a whole show like this morning. The entire show was focused on something that happened yesterday that was really big. Um, and if I tell you what it is, you're going to know exactly what day this is. So I won't. But um, other ones delve into different topics and talk about it. it it's very U.S. focused. So there's a lot about um, politics, which there's always a lot going down there. But uh but it's it's also a really great tool just of like international news and headlines and a lot of the really big focus stories um, that are really key to know. And I think it's a really awesome way to kind of start the day. Um, and hopefully next week I'm going to get back to more reading. But <laughs> yeah, so I recommend Up First by NPR. Nice. To close off today's show, uh, we're going to talk about the lessons we learned, and we are going to start with Christine. So I think the lesson that I learned, uh, so I'm not an entrepreneur and I don't run my own business, um, but I do hire entrepreneurs and and, and small businesses. Uh, and I think one of the things, uh, just kind of listening to some of the red flags that everyone talked about on today's episode is just a reminder that when I'm in the meeting with a potential, um, you know, entrepreneur that I want to hire or a small business, a small agency that I want to hire to make sure that I show that I truly do, you know, respect the work that they do, uh, not to expect them to do something in like a small amount of time for like no money, you know, so I, it was, a, I think, a nice reminder from the client side to make sure that, you know, I'm not portraying this message that it's I want you to do it all in a week and for free. <laughs> want to make sure that I do show actively show that I really um, respect the work that they do. Julia, um, I really liked what Ross said about time. You know, and I kind of always knew that, but it's a good reminder. And that I think can be applicable to any sort of um, business relationship, right? You know, there have to be expectations set at the outset that, you know, both parties are comfortable with. Um, And uh, yeah, it was a good reminder that that is a red flag. (laughs) (laughs) Ross? So the big thing that I learned is uh, this whole concept of speaking with someone instead of speaking at someone. Um, Claire brought that point up and it's something that I won't lie, I definitely struggle with uh, because when I know what I want I tell people what I want and it's not really a discussion so it's a good <laughs> reminder um, for me to talk with people instead of just telling them what I want and hoping they go along with it <laughs> um, and I think today I learned that uh, we're all really big advocates of respectful working relationships whether it's um, working on a project together or in the client uh, relationship. And I think that's a, a really awesome thing and a powerful reminder that young entrepreneurs and recent grads who are starting off um, shouldn't let it slide. They do deserve respect and and 
they shouldn't settle um, just because they're new at this. No, and going back to the introduction of this episode, like entrepreneurs are key for um, our economy growth. So we should be showing a little bit more love to these people. So um, yeah, definitely uh, kudos to anyone who's trying it. Kudos to our resident entrepreneur, um, Ross. It's uh, we, we, we love entrepreneurs on this episode. <laughs> I appreciate the love. I love it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Young PR Pros. We would love to hear from you and hear how we did. You can email us at youngprpros at gmail.com. Check out our blog at youngprpros.ca. We're also on Facebook at Young PR Pros Podcast. And of course, Twitter at Young PR Pros. Thanks, and we'll talk to you next time. This episode featured tracks by Poddington Bear and Lee Rosevear. Sound work and editing by Claire Bonnyman.